0: Welcome in to a very special scramble because it's a Saturday scramble February 19th 2022 I'm Rick gaming that right there Andy lack Andy good to see you bud good to see you man how are you enjoying uh, Riviera so far
1: I'm I'm absolutely loving it.
0: Yeah, so it's been a oh man, so it's been a, a a trek for me. So we drove from LA to or from Vegas to LA Wednesday night. Was out there all day Thursday. Then Friday, I played golf and and flew back. So it's been like a a, a madhouse. But um, loving loves what I saw at Riff, Right, like you know, I, I I thought there was little rough. Was there like no rough out there? Like did you yeah, get that same vibe? I got that same vibe. I noticed um, it
1: felt more trampled down than I was used to seeing.
0: Yes, I would agree. And, um, but still firm, fast, they can put pins in some good spots. It's just like, Hey, uh, two guys are on the top of the leaderboard trying to run away with this thing. (laughs) Were you, was, so was this your first time at Riviera? Uh, no. So I was there probably, I guess it wasn't last year, uh, maybe 2020. I was there as well. Um, and it really is, yeah, it's such a stark contrast. Uh, it's such like it's such like an easy place to walk. There's so many good mm. sight lines. When you're standing next to a green, you're also probably standing very close to uh, a tee box. Like It's it's an intimate little setup. So I was going to bring that up and ask you how you would compare it to Torrey
1: because this is my first time going to Riviera. I had been like, I think, five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when I wasn't really, uh, not you know, I wasn't as knowledgeable about golf as I am now. And I was blown away by how great of a viewing experience it was. I think it took me, it took me very quickly to find the lay of the land to figure out like, okay, this is a good spot to be. This is. This is how you can get around here and navigate here. I was mm-hmm. blown away, and on I love going to tournaments on Thursdays and Fridays. Yeah, uh, because it's a little bit less crowded, and I found the viewing experience on Friday to be incredible. Like I was one of the only people
0: following Neiman. Oh yeah, there was there was uh, when I was out there on Thursday. Nobody. It, it, I mean, it was all concentrated on three groups, as as it tends to be. But there was and and with it being so top heavy, uh, yeah, Neiman was just. There was nobody with us. There was nobody with the group.
1: So I I made a joke about it on Twitter, but it was, uh, I followed Neiman for the entire back nine and it was literally uh, me and his family basically, which you, you rarely ever get. Um, And then I, I caught up with Xander's group and ROM's group. And those ones were a little busier. Colin had a big crowd. Um, Xander didn't have the whole team there, but he had a couple of them. But yeah, I was so blown away by, uh, how pleasant of a viewing experience it was. And I I guess I want to ask you this, Rick, are you surprised
0: at the scoring a little easier than you would have expected? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, um, it's kind of skewed, right? Because you've got Neiman at what, what's he at now? 16 under par. Uh, you've Mm -hmm. got Cam Young at uh, 14 and, uh, let's see, uh, JT at 11, but then like, how often is the leader seven shots clear of the guy in fourth right with two rounds to go so it's kind of skewed a little bit like if you got rid of those outliers if like the lead was at 11 under i don't think i'd be all that surprised the nine unders are at t4 so it's just it's just two guys like two guys are are so far out which i think we're gonna we're gonna talk about when we get to the props and like how likely it is that this continues but I, i don't know that's um that's the most surprising part is that two guys are just laying the smack down.
1: Yeah. I, um, I was a little surprised at the scoring. I mean, going there, the rough seems like a little bit less of a problem than I would have expected. As we've talked about, I mean, Neiman just made it look so incredibly easy. Like you are not supposed to be able to do that at Riviera and following okay. him on the back nine. Like he was a little tentative with some makeable putts on the back nine. Like he, he could have, It could have even been lower. He was just center of the green every time playing smart, clean, mistake-free golf. I expect the course to play harder over the weekend. I really do. I think that um, we're going to get some more pins in some of, we're going to get some more tucked pins. Hopefully they didn't water the course. So it's going to continue to firm out over the weekends. The only caveat I would say to that is, I think there's a chance that maybe the tournament organizers look at um, where Neiman is at and mm. say, um, oops, sorry. Um, where Neiman is at and say, okay, maybe we need to set this up a little bit or yeah. easier to allow for like a 62 or a 63 to maybe catch him
0: that's interesting too um, the to to put a bow on the viewing experience thing because I want to get your thoughts on this as well like it, it's so different than it's so different than Tory just because of the layout but uh where did you where did you stand did you follow groups did you find like little nooks and crannies so <laughs> I really I basically followed groups I really
1: enjoyed um I want to say there's a little pocket around like 13 14 that I really enjoyed that was kind of quiet 14 green was a pretty intimate setting. Um, But I, and then also, you know, this was really crowded. So I didn't spend a lot of time up there, but the scene at the first tee is pretty great where you have the, where you have the putting (laughs) green right there and you have the 18 green right there. So you get a lot of uh, player traffic. So it's like a ton of player
0: traffic. The guys
1: are coming off 18. They're signing their scorecards. The other guys are putting right there. And it's kind of, you get all of these players. And that was really cool.
0: The other spot is two green. They have to walk across the cart path to three T 10 T's right there. And you get guys coming up from the driving range. So like, if you just want to like, have like a, Hey, what's up? Like moment to like a player or a caddy like they're literally like walking on the same cart path that you are and everyone's just standing right there. I'm also going to give kind of a hot take too. Okay. I think that
1: watching players on the driving range is so fascinating to me. It's so <laughs> it's so underrated. I got caught watching Thomas Peters hit balls on the driving range. I c- I cannot tell you um how fascinating that was to watch in the driving range at riviera it's in a pretty good spot too so you can get a lot of you can get a good viewing experience
0: just posting up at the driving range i spent some time um behind 10 green so behind 10 green and then also that's like 11 t so you watch those guys play down uh then they tee off and they're all just trying to you know go through the flow of traffic and they're waving each other on. And it's just like a very busy spot, but there's like shade back there, which for me is like the absolute King. So yeah, that's uh that was a good spot too, which I like.
1: Yeah. And, um, I think overall it's, it's just in a, it's well set up. It's well marked. There are, um, there's a lot of like concessions and bathrooms and and it's, it's a really good viewing experience. So I had an absolute blast and I'm not going to be able to make it there over the weekend, but I'm very, very excited to watch.
0: All right. Here's what we're going to do. Since it is a Saturday, we're probably going to try to keep this scramble uh, fairly tight. Uh, We, I want to do props. I want to have a couple of questions that I run want to run by you, but I think we should just jump into, especially because those guys are going out right now. I think we should jump into the props here right now, but we're going to do it on the other side. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Remember, Andy Lack is not only the co host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field, but I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those two together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. All right, Andy, let's prop it like it's hot. So this is the segment that is uh, focused on props via price Picks. So I got to tell you, um, last week was an absolute crazy week for me. You know, there's, there's tournament prep. Uh, There was a a fantasy conference in Las Vegas. So I met up with a bunch of people. Obviously I made the drive to LA and then went to the course and got to play Sherwood, which I'm rocking the cap. We'll talk more about that in a second, Andy, but like, it's been nuts and it feels like it's been a month and it's only been a couple of days, but I met with the prize picks guys here in Vegas on, I guess it would have been Tuesday night. And they are one awesome, two innovative, and 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 one of the things that came out of that meeting is we were like, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if you could do single hole props, right? Like just hey, here's uh you know the par f- or amen corner, a stretch of holes, or hey, here's a par five, or like here's a par three, like just um have single hole props and three days later they made it happen. That is now live, Andy. You can actually today on hole number 11, uh, the lines are four and a half. You can do single hole props, which is absolutely bonkers.
1: I can't wait because I, so I added that as one of mine and we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but I think that's so cool. I think that is probably, right? I think that's probably the next innovation in, in gambling, right? In golf gambling per se is, um, and some sports books already do this live, but really, you know, is this player going to hit this fairway? Is this player going to hit this green? It adds an element of sweat to it. Um, that is highly specific that, you know, you can't really find anywhere else.
0: Yeah. And what I love about it is, uh, the whole, like a single hole, there's a lot that can be different. It could be wind. It could be the pin location. Like I, I feel like if you're in tune with some of the stuff that's been happening, some of the stuff that happens historically, there's probably a pretty decent edge. I would imagine. Do you agree with that? Yeah, Hmm. I would agree with that. So what I was looking
1: at was I was looking at, kind of the weekly scoring average historical scoring average how players have played this hole in the past you can even look at like um you know what like it it, so for example the hole that we have this week is hole number 11 which is a par five which uh plays to a historical scoring average of 4.7 right um so it's one of the it's an easier par five right and prize picks is giving you four point five as the over under basically for everything so it's like make a birdie and you win if you go under make a make a par and you lose now what was interesting to me was because the scoring average is four point seven math would tell you just take the over just expect them to make pars but at the same time i was looking at it and it's like okay Justin Thomas has played this whole three under through two rounds, right? Right. Maybe you start looking at, okay, who are some of the best par five players on the PGA Tour? Maybe you start looking at how has this player specifically played this hole? So there's this whole other element that you could bring in to kind of help you try and handicap it.
0: Yeah. If you want to get involved, there's a link in the description. The code you're looking for is Rick. That is a 100% uh, instant deposit match up to $100. This is uh, again, talking with those guys, this product is getting better and better and better uh, seemingly every single week. Let's just dive into that whole 11 thing. Cause there's so much to, to really jump into Andy, And I know it's on, on your card as well for, uh, for the third round. So this pin location 25 on five from the left. It's basically in the middle in on in the back, which kind of gives you an interesting opportunity. You either can you can either get there in two and have an eagle putt or if you are not on in two, there's generally a lot of green to work with if you leave it short. So I was looking at last year because a lot of the times they recycle these pins and last year you're right. There were days where when that pin is um, front right, which it was on saturday last year it's closer to like a 4.9 scoring average just harder to get at but this is a very similar pin location to what they had on friday last year and that was like one of the easiest days that it played 4.6 so obviously there's wind there's other situations going on but this is in general a pretty generous position for birdies or better i'm thinking
1: yeah. So, I mean, and that you just opened up a whole new element to it, looking at the pins as well. So I was, I didn't even look at the pin pins this morning, but I was thinking, okay, if I was setting up a tournament, how do they usually set up tournaments on Saturday? Right. Is if you're going to set up holes to be more gettable, you're going to set up the par fives to be more gettable, right? Yeah. Because you want Eagle opportunities for those guys that call it moving day for a reason. So a lot of times on Saturday, you'll see tournament organizers experiment with, okay, we're going to move this tee box up mm-hmm. to make this more gettable. We're going to make this par four more drivable and we're going to make the easier holes easy. And the the harder holes, more difficult to create more movement on the leaderboard. And I think you spoke to the key point there. That's what they may be doing with 11. So I actually looked at Justin Thomas, who has played this hole in – three under through two days he's mm-hmm. a great par five player he's a great long iron player so if he gets his drive somewhere up there he's really good from 200 yards plus plus. and i took the under 4.5 so i expect jt to birdie this hole in round two
0: yeah, there's just so many generous like like you can you can hit your second shot into the front bunker on that back pin. You could blast it by. There's still enough room. There's not much penal rough back there. Yeah, I, I, the elite guys, especially the par five guys, the longer iron guys on 11 taking the under feels like the way to go. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, it's interesting, right? Because you were, you were mentioning the average and I was, I was thinking about it because the, the average is, is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's the average, right? But you get, you know, on prize picks, they give you the, what the best 20 or 24 golfers, right? Right. So you have to remember that like the average for those guys is probably a lot lower compared to the average for everybody else. So I I'm with you here. I think there's going to be lots of birdies being made and Justin Thomas, who, Quite frankly, is one of the few who are still within arm's reach. Uh, l- probably looking to make a significant move on Saturday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just laughing because you're right. They always pick the best players, and then Matt Kucher. So I don't really know. I, I, I don't <laughs> What's really. What's the know. algorithm here? <laughs> I have no idea if Matt Kucher is in bed with our guys with prize picks in some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. But I find it. I would. It's always difficult for me where I'm like, okay. Don't pick on Matt Kuchar today. I know we've done enough of that content, pick something else, but yeah, you're right. That's another element to add into it is that these guys are the guys that are making birdies on par fives, right? They're
0: the best players in the field, right? You, um, you and I actually align on a a different one of these props and we both just threw it in the outline. We did not chat about this, uh, Joaquin Neiman over 68 strokes. And this to me, Andy, I never say this is like more feel than numbers, right? You know, he's been phenomenal. He's been awesome. I hope he cashes this like 65 to one ticket that I have on him, right? Like I hope he gets it done, but I've just seen this story plays every single week on the PGA tour. Um, Somebody gets out quickly and then there is a, a leaderboard gravity, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and it just go back three weeks or whatever you know, Seamus powers five clear through two rounds. Um, it seemingly happens every single week where I just think it's unlikely that Neiman, he, he can win this clearly. I mean, if he goes out and shoots two sixty nines, he probably wins on the weekend. Mm. Right. But it, it is just like, there's gravity out there. He's going to be playing in the final group. It's going to be the most difficult conditions there are now it's going to be a Saturday and he's in the final group. So those crowds are going to be bigger. Like mm. it, if he goes out and shoots something 67 or better like I will just continue to to tip my cap to you Joaquin Neiman I just I just think I've got to be on the other side of it this time around okay so I'm obviously with you there is this great uh
1: Jordan Spieth quote um where I think he talked about this in a podcast he talked about peaking at the right time in a golf tournament and Mm -hmm. how Um, golf tournaments are all about making sure you peak at the right time. And every single week, Rick, we see a golfer peak too early, right? Just a couple weeks ago at Pebble beach, Seamus power was leading by five. He was completely irrelevant by Sunday morning in that tournament, right? He had a five stroke lead on Friday night, completely irrelevant by Sunday morning. Russell Henley had a five-stroke lead with nine holes to play.
0: Oh, don't bring win. that up. Yeah, I know. Now, I, know. <laughs> I was on the wrong.
1: I was on the wrong side of that too. So <clears throat> I am confident in Neiman. This isn't me saying I think Neiman's going to eject. I do think he's going to be there on Sunday. But for him to shoot a sixty, put it this way: if he cashes the under on that on the sixty-eight, if he shoots three under par, four under par, I think he wins by a lot. I actually, actually, let me ask you this, Rick, even par over the weekend, do you think that's good enough to win?
0: Ooh, so, um, I, I think if you offered it to him, he should probably take it. Like if you said, Hey, Joaquin, you don't have to play the final two rounds, but you're stuck at 16. Do you accept that offer? I, I think he should take it. I don't think he would but I, I don't think, think he right. would either, but I think he should. Um, he doesn't always win it at 16, but I think he wins it often enough to not bring in the disaster of shooting four over on the weekend and finishing T eight or whatever. That's going to end up being like, I, I, I would, I think the math says take it, but no, like no competitive golfer, whatever, would whatever would
1: it. I don't think. So I would agree. So I'm looking at the previous winning scores, 12, 11, 14, 12, 17, but that was one by five strokes, 15, 6, 15, 11, 7. Those are the winning scores at Riviera of the last 10 years, right? So history would suggest that it's going to get di- more difficult over the weekends, that, uh, the winning score is going to fall somewhere in between that 11 to 16 under range. Um, I actually think even par from Neiman might win this. I have a sneaking suspicion based on my knowledge of Riviera uh, and watching it yesterday that it's going to play significantly harder over the weekend than it did the first two days, provided they don't water it. Um, But listen, I think if Neiman shoots even par today, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So I thought
0: 68 felt really low to me, Rick. You could also use it like if you have a walkie Neiman outright like I do, you could almost like hedge it here, right? Because if he if he shoots under sixty-eight, it's over. Like he's it's over, he's got it, right? So it's almost like a hedge on your outright ticket. <laughs> or at least, like,
1: and we can we'll kind of talk about the odds board a little bit too, I'm sure. But um, if you have a Neiman ticket, a pre-tournament Neiman ticket, which you do, I do not. Good pick, sir. Um, there are, there's this really like interesting group of chasers at the eights and the nines that are some, at some really appealing numbers where if you get that one, right. And you're sitting there with Neiman, like there's a lot of opportunities there. Let me of like the Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Adam Scott group. Like who do you think is the best suited to make a run?
0: Yeah. The Adam Scott one's interesting. Um, yeah. I actually don't even mind like the, ma- we'll, we'll get to that. We'll go more in depth on this in a bit, but like Homa at a hundred to one, right? Like, uh, actually I want to save that. I want to talk about that in depth and I want to give it, its, okay. I want to give it its due. Uh, one other quick sidetrack is the pin on 10 is, is that front position, which is kind of a lot easier to get to. So like Martin Laird is already out in Eagle at 10 birdie on eleven like three under through two. And that's like the harder side, right? Like you might see, you might see, they are setting this up for, for scores today. Uh,
1: See, that's interesting. So like there, you know, I may be wrong. Maybe, um, maybe 16 is not even close to good enough. It's so hard for me to envision Riviera being one at like 22 under par. Um, I just think the members would have an absolute fit if that was the case, but wow i mean you you may be right i think the tournament organizers which by the way is tiger pulling the strings with everything like is tiger the one that's actually in charge like if tiger went to the tournament organizers and was like make this course play really easy today or make this course play really hard today like isn't he the one that has final say right
0: i don't know if he has final say but they would definitely do whatever he asked oh 100 percent. yeah yeah i don't think they're going to him like hey tiger how should we set it up today? But if he walks in, he's like, Just crush these guys. They're going to be like, okay, no yeah. problem. Real quick, uh, at this exact moment, there are three guys who have played 11. Martin Laird, Sam Ryder, and Jason Kokrak. They've all made birdie on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go, so, Andy. <laughs> so I'm telling you, everybody
1: who's watching right now, hit that under. Because prize picks, um, you know... Not to call us market movers or anything, but they have they've had a tendency sure. in the past to move numbers very quickly, sometimes mid-show. So I would say, grab those unders on eleven today for all of the reasons that we just outlined, especially what Rick was talking about with the pin positions because prize picks will probably see this and
0: think the same way., <laughs> uh, there is a link in the description or you can use the code. Rick, one other one I had, Andy, is John rom under sixty nine. So that's two under around Riviera. How much of a concern is it? So through two rounds here, he's lost another three strokes putting, which combine that with the three he lost last week, right? We're talking about a stroke per round over his last six rounds. Are we in panic level or am I waiting for this to get back to get back to the norm?
1: Okay. Not in, not in panic mode. I, I, I said this. Um, I said this on my podcast. But Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, and Justin Thomas all had unbelievable ball striking weeks in Phoenix, like some of the best of their entire career. And all of them lost strokes putting. Now, if you ask me, conventional wisdom suggests that one of those players is going to figure out the putter. It seems like it's been Justin Thomas who would have been my last choice of the three but no i think john rom is it's tough because rom and there's a lot of numbers and deep dive statistics on this i did a little bit of a podcast on it but rom has just been really bad at timing up his best ball striking weeks with his best putting weeks Mm. and that's why the trophies aren't there and he's in a whittle situation right now where he's hitting the ball great he's hitting the ball better than maybe anyone else on the pga tour right now or at least top five and he's not getting any of the putts to drop. I think I think the putter will turn around. It may not this week, but I think it's a pretty safe assumption. I was eyeing that one, too, that at some point the ball striking is going to be sticky and stay around and he'll figure out the putter.
0: So we're thinking Justin Thomas under four and a half strokes on 11 Joaquin Neiman over 68 I like Rom under 69 but we're living in that under four and a half strokes on that whole 11 there's already a bunch of guys getting out there and taking care of it uh, fascinating new addition this is the first time you're able to get those single hole props so the code you're looking for is Rick a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 and of course you can always use the link in the description price picks is innovating I love every single thing about it. Andy, I want to continue to dive into this live leaderboard because it's a really interesting week for the PGA Tour. When you have two guys way out in front, there's a lot of really long numbers and I want to continue to dive into those, but we're going to do it on the other side. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. Rickrungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. All right. The live odds. I've got Caesars pulled up here, and it is basically Joaquin Neiman against the field. Uh, Plus 105, nearly even money for, for Joaquin Neiman to win the Genesis Invitational. Cam Young, who's only two shots back and three shots ahead of Justin Thomas, not the second shortest odds. He's plus 650. It's Thomas kind of in the sandwich there at plus 400. He is five shots back. But what I wanted to get to, Andy, is after that, You know, you start to get to the Adam Scott's, 18 under. You get to the Victor Hovland's, 28 under par. You get to even down to Max Homa, 100 to one. Homa is, yes, 10 back of Neiman, but only four back of Adam Scott, five back, or uh, let's see. No, uh, yeah, why can't I do math? Five back of Justin Thomas, uh, three back of Adam Scott. If you think that Neiman and Young don't win this there's a lot of value behind those guys a hundred
1: percent like I was even looking at I was looking at Adam Scott too by the way um, who obviously he's owned Riviera so far um, he's has two wins here he got that nice tune up in Phoenix last week and he's had like a really kind of balanced attack between ball striking and putting I think there are a ton of opportunities on the board like I I, I even look at some of the guys okay so some of the this may sound crazy but some of the guys that are six under par right are in T 10 right now. So Mm -hmm. someone like Sebastian Munoz, who's at six under par, he's T 10. He is 210 to one. He's third in this field in ball striking. And although Neiman feels like miles away, he actually only has nine guys to pass on the leaderboard, right? You don't usually see a guy who's T 10, but 10 strokes back. So one of those guys at six, seven, and eight is going to close the gap a little bit. Like, I think it's a very safe assumption that one of the guys at six, seven, eight is going to shoot a lower score than Neiman and a lower score than Cameron Young. I think I'd probably lean Adam Scott would be my favorite one. I think Adam Scott, you can get at like 18 to one just because of the course history here, but there's so many options that you can go down.
0: Yeah, I mean, even Colin Morikawa at 16-1, to 1, who is only three back of JT, and again, you're kind of hoping that the, it's like the 50% of the time or the, you know, implied that Neiman doesn't win this thing that someone else is going to. Or, or have we completely overlooked Cam Young? Cam Young is, if if it was not for uh back-to-back 63s we'd be like oh my god cam young is three shots clear of everybody else at riviera he shot the round of the day on friday he was in the heat of the battle oh boy what was that event where it was him wasn't it him lee hodges and somebody american else recently american express was that it that feels right yeah american uh, express did not finish the way uh it wanted for those guys but like here he is back at it again yeah,
1: I think he's in a pretty good position. I think you have to like his position maybe even a little bit. Well, I don't going to say more than Neiman, but Neiman's the guy that is feels like all of the pressure's on Neiman, right? And Cam Young is still right there within striking distance. But you're right. He's not getting any of the chatter. We kind of skipped right by him. It seems like everyone's kind of skipping right by him. So I, I, I don't know. I think generally in these positions, like, you expect someone to really eject Um, Cam Young. I will mention he has been getting it done a lot more with the putter than Neiman has, which is generally a little more of a sign of concern. But with that being said, like, I like the position that Cam Young is in. Do you think that he should have higher odds than Justin Thomas, despite having a three stroke advantage of him? I think probably, but you know,
0: yeah, I mean, three shots over two rounds. Like, is Justin Thomas a shot and a half better per round than Cam Young? There's, there's not a lot of guys on tour who are literally a shot and a half better, like on average. Like, that's that that's really hard hard to imagine. Um, but like, I also get it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I get I get it too. Right? It's like you don't. Although you know, another thing
1: to point out, Rick, is like we've seen guys at 150, 200, 300 to one win at Riviera before. Like it's not like in the last 10 years, we've had JB Holmes, John Merrick, and James Hahn all win at 200 to one or greater, right? So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Cam Young or Neiman can close this. It just feels, it, it feels hard. Kind of like with Sahith last week where it's like, do I really see Sahith raising this trophy and hmm. Xander, Cantley, and Brooks all walking home empty-handed. It's tough to envision, but I think it's possible.
0: Is Joaquin Neiman now? Is he the best player? I know he's he's won. He won the Greenbrier a handful of years ago. But does he? Is he like the best player who like needs another win soon? Like where does he fall into the? neiman zalatoris like i even say xander like needs a real win kind of deal like where does he fall onto that list i put him pretty
1: low because i because I, I in terms of priority in terms of needs it because i think people forget how old neiman is neiman is he's like two or three years younger than zalatoris he's like two or three years younger than sheffler um i think he's 23, right? But what happened is, yeah, he won very, very early. I think he won at like 19, 20 years
0: old, right? And you remember, and you remember, all the comps were the last international to uh, win this young was Rory McIlroy, and before that it was Seve Ballesteros, and then like John Rahm or like whatever it was, right? It was just the list of like outrageously amazing golfers, and expectations were very high.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think Neiman's fine on time. Like even like you know, he gets compared to, I think people think that Mito is the same age as Neiman. Like Neiman, it's like Neiman is, Neiman is way younger than that guy. He just, he got his start really, really early and he got off to a hard start. So I don't really feel like there's a lot of pressure on Neiman. He may feel like there's a lot of pressure on Neiman on himself because he probably views himself as, Hey, why don't I get mentioned with, the Schefflers and the Zalatoruses and the Hovlands and the Sung Jays. Would you put him in that group or maybe a tier
0: below? I think he's got to be a half a tier below. You know what I mean? I I think he's got to, because he like, he doesn't even uh, off the top of my head. I don't think he contends as frequently as those guys, right? Like Scotty Scheffler had had piled up top tens uh, and in major championships before he finally breaks through. And Neiman has had a couple of moments. I think he's lost two playoffs, but like it's, it doesn't feel like he's contending as much or he'll go through stretches of, of not contending.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think if he wins this week, you have to put him there over in the same group as someone like Zalatoris. I think the knock on Neiman is like Zalatoris finished second at the master's. So what do you right. weigh? What's more important? He also like Matthew Wolf led a U.S. open going into the final round. Right. Um, yeah. he, so what do you weigh heavier winning Riviera or finishing top two and contending on Sunday in a major? Like it's, it's kind of tough. It depends where you net out. And I think, if Neiman wins this week, you have to put him in that tier. But I think the missing step is that we haven't really seen him on Sunday yet in a major championship the way that we've seen uh, Zalatoris and Wolf and even Scheffler and Sungjae too. Sungjae also
0: finished second at the Masters. Yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, Andy, I think we're going to keep it tight today. We're going to get out of here in just a second. But <laughs> we almost had ourselves a uh, another Patrick Reed cheating incident. Did you see this clip?
1: Yeah, of he's, like, he's rubbing the club.
0: <laughs> he is very discreetly. So so the clip comes out, it gets tweeted, obviously, of Patrick Reed very discreetly rubbing the face of his golf club before hitting a shot. And as you can imagine, the Twitterverse goes bonkers. Uh, is he applying a substance? What is he doing? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, that's that's the video I'm referring to. My question is, like, so...
1: The obvious comp to this is like, uh what a pitchers rub on the ball? Yeah, like pine p- tar or something. Pine, yeah, pine tar or something. What do people
0: think he's rubbing on the club? That's, like, that's the problem. Question. Is like, especially on a wedge, like, uh, you don't want anything on it, right? Like, like if you were doing a driver, like, okay, so you know, guys will take the driver and they'll put either like Vaseline or you could do, um. Uh, what's the foot spray? Like that foot spray or whatever, and it'll like straighten out your driver a little bit. Max Home, I asked Max Home about it. He said it's like a cheat code. Um, he said, go do it on the range, try it at home. It's like a cheat code. But like, what would you put on your wedge that like you are literally trying to not have anything on your wedge so that it hits the groove as cleanly as possible? Like, what would what would any substance be that would help a wedge shot? I I have
1: no idea. I think people <laughs> are are reaching for something that I'm not sure is completely there. And look, I get it. Patrick Reed has earned that label over uh over the years. But I do think we've maybe reached a point where we're reaching just a little bit. But it's also Twitter. Like that's part of the fun of Twitter, too.
0: So, the very discreet reach into his pocket and rub something on his club face then appears to be that he's using The pocket lining, the inside of his pocket to clean his club, which I will say at first glance is outrageous. Why would anyone do that? That's what psychopaths do, especially when
1: you have you have a caddy.
0: Yeah. Why would you use the inside of your pocket to clean something? However, he was wearing white pants, Andy. So do you think that this was just like, I'm going to keep the fit looking fresh I'll wipe this on the inside. This is still what crazy people do, but like, it's not as crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I don't understand why, like what about the inside liner of your pants is more effective than like a clean towel that your caddy has on him at all times. Like that's where I'm like, I do not understand this, but you know what, Rick? Patrick Reed has a lot more experience playing good golf than I do. So to each his own.
0: He just thinks differently. That's all. But I, I loved that it was everyone was immediately losing, losing their minds. And then it was like, ah, maybe he's just cleaning his cleaning his club face off with in a very strange way. There's probably no other like that's got to be the strangest way. Like I can't even think of another. I can't even fathom another way to clean your golf club. But I also couldn't fathom that you'd use the inside of your pocket. Could you well, would you take off the would you use the inside of your hat? Like what would you what could you possibly do? No, I guess pocket
1: would make the most sense. I keep going back to how that's more effective than a towel. But listen, Patrick Reed uh, is playing terrible golf right now. He's been playing really bad golf for an extended period of time. This is the worst stretch of his career by far. I mean, you look at the ball striking numbers and it's just red, 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 red. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Maybe he's searching for something. Maybe he's in an experimental phase where he's trying something new out.
0: Can't blame him for that. Maybe I'll start using the inside of my pocket. We'll see how that goes. All right, Andy, uh, a special Saturday scramble in the books. Any final thoughts before we uh, let these fine viewers go and turn their attention to moving day at Riviera? So has our one and done just turned into Fight Club? <sighs> like, just oh
1: don't talk about Fight Club. Like, we're, just, we're not going to raise it until we get out of the hole.
0: Actually, I wanted to look this up. Because I was thinking about this on the flight home last night. Um, Okay. So I've picked uh, now six straight missed cuts, right? So I wanted to do this here. Uh, Okay, perfect. Um, And they were all from, like, I wasn't picking Sepp Straka. I wasn't picking JT Poston or whatever. Let's just assume that every single golfer's odds to miss the cut uh, were minus 200. And Andy, as you know... They get much longer than that, I think Cantley and roM last week or this week were like minus nine hundred to uh or to make the cut. excuse me yeah. um so like the the idea that I have somehow whiffed six consecutive times with this like it'd be like fifty to one like this is almost like this is almost harder than picking guys to make the cut,
1: okay, but here's what I would say, rec, is you have a very proven track record of success with betting, with DraftKings, with one and done, are you at the point where you're like, okay, I need to change something in my process? Because I still think it's maybe it's too small of a sample size to be like, okay, I need to completely go back to the drawing board. I'm not looking at this correctly.
0: Well, what's crazy is I've had successful week, like I've um I've had winning tickets, I've had great DraftKings lineups, I have just not gotten the one in time through the cut. So like at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't want to change my entire process because, like, as an aggregate, you know, I I'm I'm liking the weeks that I'm having. However, in this one sliver of 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 the whole thing, it's been absolutely horrendous. And I have tried like I've tried a little bit. I was like, okay, well, let me go like Pure course history, the person that I know is going to be super popular misses the cut. Like, here's let me go try to find a stud that I think is just playing beautifully at the moment. Like, misses the cut. It's just like I've tried a little bit of tweaking. It's just frustrating that this one little spoke of the wheel I am absolutely horrendous at right now.
1: Bubba too felt really safe and really sound. I remember on Wednesday, I was like, yeah, Bubba at Riviera, that's probably more sensible than me burning JT right now. Maybe so and he missed the cut on the number, right? So I would say Rick, don't I wouldn't change up the process. I think it's too small of a sample size. We're still very early in the season. You pick the right guy at the players, it's you know, like so we got some big purses coming
0: up. So I just ran this through yeah, there are a lot of big purses coming up. I just ran this through the parlay calculator. Let's just say that um Every single one of these guys would have been two to one plus 200 to miss the cut, which it would have been likely higher than that. Yeah. We're being generous. Yeah. We're being, yeah, very, very conservative here. It would, it would have been, let's see, that would have been, let me make sure I have my calculations, right? Uh, 728 to one is the likelihood that I've whiffed six straight of these. That's where we're at. It's probably longer than that. Rick, you have
1: my full support. You have the support of the chat. Dan Kelly says, there's no doubt your one and done results are an aberration. Thank you, Dan. I'll I agree. With, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree with Dan as well.
0: I think you're oh. going to get back off the mat very quickly here. Luckily, the PGA Tour has injected a ton of money into all these purses this year, and I've got plenty of time and plenty of money uh, to figure it out. But yeah, it is, um, I was literally, I was like going to the airport, and I was like, let me check to see what Bubba did. Like, please, for the love of God, just had make the cut. Just make the cut. Like, I don't care anymore. And I saw that he, I don't remember exactly what he did. was like a big number on some hole, and I was like, oh no, I gotta like, uh, this. it's happening again. It's happening again. So, and, and last thing, and then
1: we'll get out of here. So are you, I assume you're in a couple one and done pools. You, we have, oh, our, yeah. we have our thing. We yeah. have, you have one on the first cut and then I'm yeah. sure, and then you have the Rick run good one and done. Yeah. And then I'm sure maybe you have an entry and the got a fantasy a couple Golf yeah. championships one, two, do you kind of hedge or do you kind of go all in with the same guy?
0: Generally. Um, so, uh, For here and for like the run and done the Rick run, good one and done. I generally kind of keep them similar, but, Mm -hmm. um, I do, I do mix it up because I, I think a lot of it should be that you, um, you play your position and, you know, especially early in the, in the year, you know, there's, there's multiple options for, you know, every single week and then you just try to find the rank and the, and the hair, the splitting hairs between some of these guys at the top. So I do try to mix it up and then I'll, I'll play my position in each one. So I have not been nearly as bad in all of the one and done's just mostly this one. And my own is, is where it's been the most horrendous. Yeah. I'm in a couple pools too. And
1: I, I, I had a little bit too. Like I, I think I'm in four or five pools and I, I use like a three player rotation. So I, I, I think that's the way to go as well.
0: Yeah. I've got, um, I have JT in one this week, which could be good. I had Sung I think, in one. So, yeah, I'm, I'll make some money uh, this week, but not, not against you. I'll be stuck on my. And what I, I actually love that it's been, um, if we're going to like literally, if we're just going to embrace the craziness of this, is that the only time I've made money was the no cut event, which is like <sighs> the only place I could have. Uh, like you know what i mean like it's been every we started at the beginning of the year we did the tournament of champions i got by one hundred seventy thousand, and then i've missed six consecutive cuts like there's something something really kind of special about that
1: you kind of have to yeah now you got to keep this streak going uh wh- <laughs>
0: maybe i'll try to miss the cut next week and pick oh uh like martin laird and he'd be like he'd be off and running by the way before we get out of here let me check to see uh okay There have been seven players through 11, four birdies, and an eagle. So that's Mm. five birdies or better and two pars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Get it quickly. Prize picks. Promo code rec. Get
0: those numbers right now. There you go. Andy Lack, available on Twitter at ADPLackSports. Thank you for being flexible with me this week, Andy. On a Saturday scramble, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming next week, my friend.
1: Awesome. Sounds good, my friend. Talk soon,
0: buddy. All right, that'll do it. Follow Andy on Twitter. You can follow me at Rick Run Good. We will see you on Tuesday, and best of luck.